This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're starting off the week right. Hope you spent your weekends. Uh, well, a lot's going on, right? It's Pride Month. So we got a lot of people running around doing that. People saying, hey, masks off game on let's get out there let's get back to dating and dinners and concerts hope you all being safe um i'm still being very 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 thoughtful uh, <laughs> uh oh god i'm watching people standing together these huge crowds it scares me it really does still but what's funny is i was reading some articles and sending them to my um my babes and uh we were talking about how there's a lot of news now it's starting to talk about the delta variant of the coronavirus and how you know the world health organization the who which is you know as as intelligent and as impactful and as smart as the cdc in fact i have a little more confidence in the who than the cdc the cdc's been making some funky decisions but world health organization is saying um y'all should still be wearing your masks and y'all should still be six feet apart and the delta variant might be the reason and it's going to kick your butt and uh it's all i needed to hear <laughs> I genetically don't have an awesome uh, immune system. That's something that's uh, me and my mother both have. So we tend to get sick with everything. And that's why I'm hyperprotective of my own health. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing, though. I, I'm so bummed because I, I was watching uh, a couple uh, news correspondents and I follow some of them on uh, Twitter, social media, the smart ones, the critical thinkers, the analyzers, definitely known from the Republican or Fox News camp. Ridiculous. Uh, but this person who kind of walks the line, I'm not going to call them out because that's not my style um, and they haven't necessarily harmed anyone, but they were kind of mocking it on Twitter saying like, uh, well, if I die for whatever reason, please mask me up. I want to make sure I'm safe. It was something along those lines and it was like, look, it, it, you don't need to wear a mask anymore by a lot of states' mandates. Uh, so then go live your life. But for those that are still wanting to protect themselves, maybe even ongoing, which, yeah, don't laugh if you see me at some public events wearing a mask years from now because I'm tired of getting sick. Uh, and that's what I learned uh, from this period of time, washing my hands, staying away from people wearing masks. I haven't gotten the flu and it knocks me out and I get it every time it comes around. And um, it was just interesting to me that some people are so bothered by others still choosing to wear masks or to be cautious that they have to mock them. It's like, like go live your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't worry about it, what anyone else is doing, truly. Um, go live your life. So here in LA, you know, I'm curious to hear from, you know, y'all based on, you know, your, all, your own local areas and whatnot. But uh, here in LA, it's almost as though nothing ever happened, I think. Most people out on the streets aren't wearing masks. I see it very rarely. So uh, we're back in full swing. So see what happens. Um, reading some interesting stuff, though, I was looking at, actually, well, here's the article. Uh, World Health Organization urges fully vaccinated people to continue to wear masks as the Delta COVID variant spreads. I didn't think I was going to be able to find this article again. This is uh, CNBC. And this was uh, on Friday, June 25th that this dropped. So this is, this is recent. The World Health Organization urged vaccinated people to continue to wear masks and practice other COVID pandemic safety measures as highly contagious Delta variant spreads across the globe, which is funny when I see people at these music festivals and concerts and parties, I'm like, all right, well, good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's a quote from um, one of the WHO officials. People cannot feel safe just because they've had the two doses. Oh, I know. Trust me. Trust me. I was wanting to uh, feel far safer and far better. I don't know. I don't know, y'all. So I'm doing me, I'm being precautious because that's kind of how I roll. But um, pushing, pushing beyond that and outside of that, uh, 
hold on one second. Oddly, this article came out actually on the same day as well. This is from NPR, both trusted sources. Um, their headline is new COVID outbreaks are driving some places back under lockdown and behind masks. Oh yeah. Us here in North America, Canada, God bless y'all. You're, you're a little bit behind, but you're getting there. You're getting there. A lot of y'all are finally getting maybe your second vaccination. Um, Australia, Israel, other places, uh, uh, I'm sorry, places around Europe, new restrictions ahead of this past weekend. So I haven't seen the data on the post weekend. Um, even Fauci, God bless him, from the uh, NIH warned that the Delta variant poses a serious threat to unvaccinated people, um, but hasn't really mentioned anything about those that are vaccinated. So I don't know, y'all. That's on you. Y'all got to decide. I'm tracking this, but I'm a, I'm a public health professional, so I have to take things very seriously. And that's naturally in my own nature to be very, you know, I, I was telling a friend this, you know, someone who was getting familiar with me and my work and they're like, oh, so radical, so edgy, tatted out, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, well, you know, in a lot of ways, I live my life very much on the edge and radically, but uh, not so much with behavior. Uh, I, I don't go skydiving. I don't ride roller coasters and I'm not running around unmasked uh, in public spaces. And there's a few times I've had to come out for personal reasons. And trust me, anxiety levels were high. Uh, anywho, caffeine's kicking in. So uh, time to take a break. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. As always, we'll be gliding into those bad boys. So if you got a question for us, drop it in there. Or if there's a topic you want me to cover or drop deeper into, you know, clarify something, let us know. Producer Alex, say hi to her. Be kind. She'll uh, pass it along to me. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to talk about singledom. There, there's a term, singleism. And basically, it's the... Uh, you know, prejudice that we have against people or the biases against those that are single as though there's something wrong or what are they doing? Why aren't they in a relationship? They need to be. Da, 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 da. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things that uh, keep people single and, and make them happy about it. Oh yeah, that's right. Some people are like, hey, that's just how it is. Take a little break though. We'll be back. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q brought to you by Astroglide. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, we're back. And uh, before we get to the topic, just want to kind of throw this out there. Uh, galleries, museums, exhibition spaces, open, definitely need support. Uh, I've been to a few. They are staggering admissions, uh, tickets purchased ahead of time. So they're tracking the amount of people that are entering. They're keeping people separated, uh, mandating mask wearing while on the campus of the site and indoors. So really, really safe thing to go do for those that still don't feel quite comfortable, like myself returning to the world, but want to participate. Bigger than that, I just love going to see art. I can't preach this highly enough. It's one thing that I learned a long time ago that when I'm feeling flat, uh, not motivated and need inspiration, art is something that really is transformative and meaningful for me to go spend time with. So consider doing that for those that don't want to leave the house or can't. Uh, there's a lot of museums and galleries. I think that might still be offering online tours. So it's another way to kind of spend time with it. I, I like to be in those spaces. Uh, okay. Signs that someone is happy being single. I know some people are like, what? Yeah. Imagine that not everyone is relationally oriented. You know, it kind of tail doves dovetails, excuse me. I, I like to make up words, but I'm not going to go that route with that one. Um, it, 
dovetails. <laughs> I just think that's a strange word, to be honest. Does I don't really get it, but we'll go with it. So anyway, it dovetails with earlier topics around things like asexuality, right? So not everyone has sexuality or sex drive. And fun little backstory, when I was training in human sexuality, sex therapy, and sexology, which for those that are you know living under a rock or new to the show, yeah, it's a legitimate form of study. In fact, it's one of the uh, doctoral programs I've done. I did a doctoral program in clinical psychology and then went and did a second one in human sexuality and sexology and then went and also got certified one of like only 500 as a sex therapist. So definitely an area of study that I'm a scholar and I enjoy researching within. And just to let you know, like early on in those years, which is going back now, mm, my God, I don't want to really, how far back? I'm really bad chronologically. It's amazing. I can hold on to a lot of fats, facts and stats. See, there's a new word. If you blend stats and facts, you get fats. Um, but I can't, I don't deal well with chronology, but if we're going back a while, <laughs> Uh, when I first got into the field, we, not me, but the um, cohort ahead of me, really struggled to accept asexuality. And I think that that was due to place and time. You know, the sex positivity movement really needed to get traction and momentum. And when I entered the field, that wasn't a word that was common knowledge or usage. Um, that wasn't part of our, you know, typical vernacular. It wasn't a part of the canon yet. Uh, still getting momentum. But back then they thought that there was something wrong with that. So it was often thought like, oh, it might be someone who has a hormone issue. And it's like, well, isn't it interesting that we pathologize anything that's different, non-normative, creative, diverse. And that's why, that's where my work comes in. I'm always trying to normalize um, marginal ways of being. I'm trying to uh, normalize uh, non-white Eurocentric standards, which is what my entire field of psychology is rooted in. It is not objective as a science. It is completely rooted in the white cis hetero experience. And unfortunately, that's leaked into other cultures and they've started to adopt Americanized uh, norms and values within psychology and mental health. But what it's done is it hasn't helped the health of these other cultures. And I'm talking about Asian cultures. I'm talking about cultures well outside of the US. Um, it's actually pathologized people. They don't see things or live the way we live. For instance, in some cultures, you spend time with the dead after they pass. Uh, it's rooted in a lot of spiritual beliefs. They believe in maybe karmic return, but more importantly, they can spend time with people that have passed. Here we call that like auditory and visual hallucinations. Like there's a very big distinction. There's other cultures that don't have ADHD for children. They call it being a child. They say things like, don't shame the child for not being able to sit still in boring school. Have them be more active. Tell them to go walk. Let them run around. It's called being a kid. Here in America, we somehow think children at a very young age should be able to sit still and stay focused on boring, dry topics for a six hour to eight hour day. And if not, well, they got ADHD. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that struggle with symptoms of that diagnosis, but I'm just calling out that we don't all agree with these diagnoses. They are not a full consensus and they're very centered in our culture. So basically the Cliff Notes version is, if you go to other countries, things that we pathologize here might be normal and healthy there and vice versa. And we are not more correct or right. So as I was studying in the field of psychology, critically analyzing everything, I was starting to realize how we don't like anything that's not white, cis, heteronormative American values and ideals. And we like the idea of people procreating and having sex. And so asexuality threw us off. It must be a genetic issue or hormonal issue. It must be a, a result of trauma or an intimacy disorder. No, not everyone is sexual. <clears throat> so my point, tying this in back to that amazing word dovetail, how it dovetails, is that we talked a little bit last week about aromanticism, that we have to separate out people's romantic orientation from their sexual orientation. And we also have to add a third level at some point we'll talk about relational orientation, meaning not everyone's geared towards a built for monogamy. And romance means not everyone wants relationality. Not everyone's driven towards this idea or interest in pair bonding or having romance. So I'm not saying single people are aromantic as in the non-desire for relationship like asexuality is a non-desire for sexuality, although some might be. So my point is, is it's okay to not want to be in a partnership. It's okay to want to be single. It's okay to want to have non-normative relationships. Some people might be open to a lot of casual dating and maybe an open or poly style, but they don't want anything monogamous. They don't want a family unit. That's okay. And we have words like relational anarchy, which I know that word anarchy makes everyone start panicking. It just means mutuality, cooperation, right? It's the opposite of individualism. And relational anarchy says every relationship in my life has the same worth and value. 
And a lot of people are practicing that, saying my friends mean as much as my partners. My partners don't get priority. My friends do as well in all my relationships. And some people just want a multitude of relationships in their life and fluidly move in and out of all of them. And it's more community-based. And I know that's foreign to us because we think in terms of marrying and marrying one person and you focus on life just with that one person and everything else is secondary or a threat to it. Sure, that's one way of doing it, but you're also allowed to do it in a more fluid, open, or casual way. Um, I think my favorite moment was when I was on a call with Helen Fisher, who's the like person that put on the map a lot of work around stages of courtship and how dopamine and serotonin interact with the stages of attachment and blah, 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 blah. And she was really out there saying, like, I don't need to live with my partner. We can live separately. And I was like, Gwyneth Paltrow says that. Esther Perel talks about things like that. We don't have to always cohabitate. We can allow space in different forms. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking about single dumb. Dun, dun, dun. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about singledom or more importantly, those that uh, are happy staying single, which I think is shocking to some people. I see a lot of parents think that, right? Let's start with that level where they, they see their kids uh, or loved ones single and they think, oh man, but aren't you alone? Don't you want there, someone there with you? Well, let's not assume that everyone that's not in a relationship doesn't have a life of worth and value or meaning. Uh, there's a lot of ways that we get there. Some people, they've been in multiple relationships and they're at a point where they're saying, I don't need that anymore. And that is most evident to me with people later in life that maybe have lost a loved one or late in life are divorced. And they're like, that part of my life where I was engaging in romance and sexuality, that's done. I did it. And now I'm focusing on other things. And then there's some people that they're saying, I'll get there. And then there's some other people saying, I don't ever need that. And and all of it's valid. Um, here's the Here's the catch. And uh, this is a throwback, and I know a lot of my listeners might not be familiar with this author, Lauren Berlent. Uh, they passed away last week and uh, was a well-known writer in, um, I mean, it kind of came out of gender studies and some feminism, but essentially Lauren's work was really rooted in queer theory. Queer theory, not being gay, not being straight, queer to me. I talk about it in the philosophical academic sense, which means looking at non-normative things and normalizing them, looking at things with a critical thought, uh, not always centering certain things. And she talked a lot about Cruel Optimism, which was a really beautiful book that she had. And she referenced how the American dream, that thing that everyone's wanting and seeking, is the same thing that's toxic for you. Isn't it interesting that the dream and what people's lives are centered around as their goal is actually what's bad for us? The American dream being our worth and value tied to how hard we're working, how much money we have, the things we accumulate, and all of that will actually burn you out and not bring you happiness. And yet everyone keeps striving for it. Where what brings you happiness and mental health is authenticity and a life rooted in purpose and meaning, which sometimes means not having a lot of money, which like myself, I'm working on resting more. I don't want to work more. I'm working smarter, not harder. I'm being very thoughtful. If something doesn't bring me joy, I'm out. I'm not participating in this cruel optimism of this idea that if I work hard, I'll get everything I want. That is not true. What you want, you already have. Relationship and finding purpose and meaning. And so it's this cruel optimism that we optimistically keep pushing towards this thing, the American dream and all that's swirled in it, but yet it fails us. And the reason why I bring that up, what it dovetails into <laughs> is this topic because a lot of people, women specifically, are raised and socialized still to believe that their goal should be marriage, right? I have women crying because they haven't gotten proposed to, crying because they didn't have the wedding they wanted, whatever it is. And yet... We have such a high rate of misery in those relationships, high rate of cheating, high rating of divorce. So that thing that you've set your life around achieving is the same thing that actually for most people causes the most distress and misery. Now, I'm not saying marriage is bad. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying relationship is bad. I'm in one. I'm deeply in love. Will I get married? I don't know. If it's important to them, then sure, I'll do it for them. I don't need the government regulating my relationship. I don't need that crap. But the problem is how... We run our relationships. We run them toxically. We try to possess people, own them. We are jealous. We're threatened by everything. We enter people's lives and make them harder. That is why people don't want to be in relationships and leave. So what is my point? My point is it makes sense that some people are single. They're saying that goal, that dream, that relationship solves all. Actually, if we look at the science, doesn't. So I'm not saying don't go after it. I'm saying at least be better if you're gonna go after it. Be good for someone. I'm a couples therapist, a marital and couples therapist. 
and also a sex therapist, do general psychology. But when I'm doing relational work, I see every day, hours and hours and hours all week, how horrible people can be to each other, how horrible people become once they enter a relationship and think, I own you because we live together, we have kids, because we have a house, because we got married. And I will, to them, blue in the face, keep telling people, take a break right now and ask yourself, and I'm gonna say this every show if I can remember to, have I made my partner's life better because I'm in it or have I made their life harder? And I don't want you to blame. I don't want you to say, but this is why if they would only stop and just say, is my presence in their life making it better? And if not, I need to grow up, do better, or I need to leave because there's no glory, valor, or mental health in being in a relationship with someone if you are not a good partner to them. And a lot of the work is backing people off because everyone's always trying to control or change their partner. The, your work as a, in a relationship is to accept your partner as they are. They don't need to change for you. Their life isn't wrong. And if it doesn't work for you, then you're not compatible and you're not meant to be in a relationship. But we can't go forward entering people's lives, changing them to, to make us more comfortable so we don't have to do the work of being better and letting go and accepting, right? And that's why part of why some people want to be single. They're watching how we're running. It's the kind of why some people don't want to bring kids into the world right now. I had a really powerful conversation with an author. Y'all know real well, but this was a private conversation. And she was saying she doesn't want to have children because she doesn't want to bring kids into this world. As she watches the majority of white women in our culture vote in a bigot and oppressive person like Trump. She doesn't want to bring a kid into the world where she watches people say things that imply black lives don't matter or Asian lives don't matter. She doesn't want to bring a child into a homophobic, transphobic world where states are rolling back legal protections and healthcare rights of trans individuals. She's like, I don't want to bring a kid into that cesspool. And what if they were gay or trans? What if my partner's of color and, I have a, and my child's of color? What kind of world am I bringing them into? Nonetheless, me and her said we still actively commit to trying to make the world better nonetheless. Um, Okay, I'm rambling and we have to take a break. I'm gonna come back and climb back up on my soapbox. So uh, <laughs> you were listening to Loveline on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around, we'll be back. All right, we are back. And guess what, y'all? It is time to glide into those DMs brought to us, brought to you <laughs> by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have two kids, all under the age of 12, and uh, they both have two different fathers. Uh, they want to have a huge party. They want everyone to come together under one big old roof. The answer is absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but I can't tell them that. Thankfully, the coronavirus has made it really easy, but I've been thinking, is it a good idea? I'm afraid of the consequences. That is amazing. Thank you for that laugh. Um, it's difficult, blended families. Uh, let me just start by saying that. I appreciate how difficult blending families can be. A lot of people have different needs, different fears, different anxieties, um, different traumas. I don't know how things ended. I don't know how things are currently run. That's the funky, difficult part of Co-parenting, you have a child with someone, that creates a relationship forever. Even if you never see or speak to your uh, child's other uh, parent, they still exist symbolically. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if they're still you know, around and connected to the child, they're in your life indirectly. And then for someone in your situation directly. Here's my first thought. Um, in a perfect world, I'd love for everyone to be able to get together. In a perfect world, we can still have relationship with our exes. Why? Because as Dr. Chris talks about over and over and over and over on the show, right? Um, and in my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines, we want to leave lovingly. When we think a relationship is no longer working, we lovingly leave. We acknowledge it. We don't wait until we've burned it down. We don't wait until we hate each other. We leave when the love is no longer there. And it's okay to say to someone, hey, this journey's gone as far as it can. The relationship needs to shift. And now we need to move out of a sexual romantic space and just into co-parents, co-caregiving, you know? And if we can do that, then we don't have to worry about these kinds of issues. But I think people battle it out, don't leave lovingly, do shady things. And we've really normalized being threatened or jealous of an ex-partner's new uh, partner or of a current partner's ex-partner. We need to grow up and get over that. There's nothing to be afraid of because we're only in relationships with people that we can trust that have healthy boundaries. And if not, we're not with them. You know what I mean? If we could start doing our work, then the children don't suffer. Your kids want a group family party. They should be able to have that. The adults should be expected to be adults. Self-regulation, 
healthy coping mechanisms, good communication, boundaries. There should not be a problem with all the adults being in the same room. What are we worried about? Adults not acting like adults? Check yourselves. Come on, let's be better than that. You're, it's not your party. It's the kid's party. It should be what they want. And if we can't do that because the adults are acting like children themselves, well, then I'm worried about how these children are parented. What are you teaching them? What are they learning consciously and unconsciously? That people don't know how to get along, that mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom don't know how to be adults? Come on, be better than that. Bring everyone together and show them we're not together anymore, but we still have a relationship. We might, we might not be married or dating anymore, but we still care about each other. Look at everyone getting along. That's one of the things I love the most. Well, there's a few things. There's a lot of issues with our vice president, trust me. But one of the things I do like about uh, Vice President Harris is that she is part of a blended family. And I remember watching her over Thanksgiving having her um, husband's ex-wife and kids over. Blended family, they're like raw adults. Big family, that's how things used to be. No one needs to be upset, no one needs to be jealous, no one needs to be threatened. We come together, that's how it should be. So let's do better, let's be better. Talk to the adults. Hey, the kids want us all together. I expect best behavior from everyone. There's nothing for us to fight about at a kid's birthday party, truly. Just invite them over, tell them just be present, have fun, I'll handle everything, and then there's nothing for us to fight about, nothing for any to worry about, and hey, if you realize you're losing yourself and you're gonna start to act like a child, take yourself outside. You know, be better than what we expect of our kids. I bet you expect your kids to be fair and to, and to act regulated and to, you know, be respectful and to calm down. Well, we have to at least expect out of the adults. So, it's not a good sign that the adults aren't healthy enough to all be able to come together. Maybe they are. Let's give them that opportunity. But I want better for everyone and from everyone. So use it as a learning lesson. You know what I mean? We should all be able to acknowledge future, present, and past people in our lives and come together. You know what I mean? And if we can't do that, then we're not running our relationships <clears throat> from our best. All right, y'all. If you got a question for us, drop it in uh, the DMs. Uh, anything you want to, you know, anything you're wondering about, put it in there. We got you. And past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. When we come back, we are going to keep talking about singledom. So um, stick around and join us. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris, brought to you by Astroglide on the new Odyssey. See you in a minute. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, y'all. Great little DM break. Love gliding in there. Thank you, Astroglide. As always, you guys got questions for us, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Uh, we're talking about why some people want to stay single. And again, it's fascinating to me how fascinating it is for others to hear that because for most of us, it's all we want. But a lot of that is, again, socialization. What examples can you give me? Let's start with media because media is one of the most powerful influencers, way more than your family and your friends are. Uh, give me examples of television shows or movies where it's centered around a single person who isn't struggling with that or wanting different. We don't have those examples. And so again, we're constantly fed examples of like being relationships, getting into relationships, you know, wedding gowns, all this, all this different stuff. And it's okay if someone doesn't want a relationship or doesn't want one, doesn't want one right now. This even came up in the studies on hookup culture where people are like, oh my God, but people aren't having a lot of sex. We have one of the highest rates of singledom because people are tired and burnout. Let's start there. That's capitalism. People are working more than they should because they can't make ends meet because they're not getting paid a living wage. And shame on you for all these restaurants and companies that are putting up their signs saying, we can't, we're under, we're understaffed. You won't be if you actually offer living wages and healthcare. So you're telling on yourself. If you don't have staff, you're telling on yourself. You are not, you're, you, you run your business on oppression. <laughs> you don't have a right to that. You know what I mean? So that's part of that. People aren't having kids, getting married or having sex because they're tired, because they have multiple jobs and still can't get their bills paid, right? We know that you can't in any of the major cities in US have even a one bedroom apartment on minimum wage. And the minimum wage has not risen with inflation. It is sad to me what we think is acceptable to make the minimum amount that someone is paid. And shame on you restaurants for not paying your servers a living wage and making them rely on tips because people are shady and shysty and don't tip. God forbid your server have a rough day and can't deal with your attitude and then you punish them by not tipping them. They have bills. It's a mess. I could go on forever, as you can tell. All this about singledom. See what singledom brings up? So my point being, it makes sense that people don't want to participate in some of these systems bringing children into this world, marriage, relationships. We don't look at, look around. They don't look great. 
Look at the headlines, people cheating, people divorcing, people doing all sorts of shady stuff. Again, I'm pro-love, I'm pro-relationship. I will always support clients going over leaps and bounds to go after a relationship that's important to them. I support clients leaving jobs and careers to center their family and their partner. I support clients doing long distance relationships across the globe. I am in one with someone in another country. Yes, they're moving here this fall and then we're gonna settle into family life and my whole structure of my life's gonna change because that will become my priority, building my family and my life. So I'm not anti all those things, but we have to do it differently. And those that are single, it's cool. So let's start off and talk about what are the attributes or the reasons why some people are happy staying single. I already told you a whole bunch of them because a lot of us are toxic and don't know how to be good partners. And so they're burnt out on everyone's shadiness. Number two, it hurts my heart to see how horrible people treat each other on these dating apps, which is a really great resource or should have been, but people don't have care and compassion. People ghost. Everyone's thrown off by the smallest infraction. No one's willing to be assertive. They're gonna, we're gonna have to just delete them all at some point because people are overloaded. People are burnt out, right? So some people are just like, I'm gonna focus on my friends or I'll get, I'll get romance and sex via hookup culture, you know? Um, so some people are just content. Other people, they're not lonely. And loneliness is a part of what drives some people to want to enter into relationship. And some people are saying, I have a busy life. I have a great social group. I'll participate in hookup culture if I feel like I need some eroticism. But otherwise, unless something great emerges, I'm good. And if something doesn't feel... If you don't feel like something's missing, then something isn't. And if your life feels good based on what's going on, then it is. We, we don't have to check boxes. We don't have to check this box and that box for a happy life. We need to be honest and authentic with what we need, you know? And I'm one of those people where I have such a gigantic social group, but I don't need a lot of social time. And there's a lot of people that would lead you to believe if you don't socialize a lot, something's wrong or something's off and we all should have squad goals and we all should be running around the crowd. But if that's not something that you're wanting or missing, then nothing's wrong. And relationship is a part of that. Not everyone has loneliness. Um, other people don't want to give up their social life. And again, should a romantic relationship mean the loss or the shrinkage of our social life? Not necessarily, right? When someone comes in, our life should get made bigger. But some people, they think that their life is made smaller and that now they can't prioritize friends or family members. Well, hear, hear me say, you can make everyone a priority. Right, Because when we enter relationships, we hold on to all of our identities. We still get time alone as a single person in the world. If we're in a monogamous relationship, we're not acting outside of that, but you get to go off and do things on your own. Please believe when I'm in a serious committed relationship, even while living together, I might say, I'm gonna go out. I have some plans with, for myself, with myself for the day. And then there'll be date days where the two of us go do something. And then there'll be friend days where it's just me and my friends. Then there'll be other days where maybe it's all of us together. And then there'll be some days where it's just me with family members because I have all those different identities. I'm a friend, I'm a son right? And I get to participate in all of those. So that's part of it. Some of the happiest single people are saying, I've been in relationships where my partner made me feel like I had to give things up. And in fact, that's the opposite. Your life should get bigger. Someone new was brought in. You should be having more brought in. Your life shouldn't shrink down around that. So really remember that some people will really lead you to, to feel bad about that. Uh, we've got to take a little break, and uh, when we come back, we'll be uh, continuing to talk about singledom. Uh, you're listening to Love Line, brought to you by Channel Q and uh, Astroglide. Stick around. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and we're breaking down singledom and single life. Shocking to some that some people are single, and again, we're talking about the reason why. Some of it's the state of the way relationships are run. Others, it's because they have other meaningful, important things in their life. And then for others, they're not romantic. They're aromantic, just like some people are asexual, not geared towards sexuality or sexual desire. Some people are not geared towards partnership. They might still be sexual, but they don't feel compelled to pair bond in a committed, exclusive way. Are they poly? Are they open? Well, that's kind of woven in there too. Some people still don't have... Uh, confidence in these labels. They don't have an ability to express it. And I'm always trying to feed us languaging to help explain the diversity of ways that we are relational and sexual and romantic because the world historically has only said, gay or straight, that's all you got. And then once you're in a relationship, that's eh, just supposed to be the two of you and, and uh, you're monogamous and you better be having a lot of sex. And it's like, None of that's true. There's so many sexual orientations, there's so many relational orientations, and there's so many romantic orientations. Romantic orientation, again, is the gender or way you wanna pair bond and partner, uh, if at all. 
sexuality is the kind of sexual geared towards and oriented towards and interested in. Sometimes that's gendered, sometimes it's not. And then relational is, do you like monogamy? Do you like everything's um, uh, equality-based where no relationship's more important than another? Do you like poly where it's multiple ongoing? Do you like open where you have a primary but casual with others? All these are all the different beautiful ways that we can exist. But people don't have a lot of experience practicing, uh, trying them out or exploring, and so they don't realize it. And when we go back to um, some of the sexual ways of being, some people are demisexual, which means sexuality comes deeper in after getting to know each other on other levels. And then there's a phrase sexual, which is the opposite. Sex is heavy in the beginning, but the more I get to know you, that tends to drift. So those people aren't geared towards monogamy because once they build a deep attachment, sexuality and eroticism dries up. And so they are more geared towards spontaneous one-offs. And so they're best to be non-monogamous. We now know that versus them not knowing any different, getting into something monogamous, the other partners feeling unattractive. They don't understand why eroticism's not there. The individual themselves is thinking there's something wrong with them. And, and it's just a lack of understanding about all the different ways we can exist and how to communicate that confidently, right? Um, other ideas. We said social life. People don't want to give up on that. Uh, some people just have a very busy life and there's not energy or space and they can realize that. They can say, look, I've got a lot of other things going on. Maybe I'm a single parent. Maybe I travel a lot. Whatever it might be, I have a friend who is a single parent, amazing human being, has a full life, travels a lot, and a relationship right now would be anchoring in a way that they don't want. And maybe that will come down the road, maybe it won't, you know, but all can be okay without that. It's not that sad story that we've generally seen that media and the world tells us where if you're not partnered later in life, you're miserable and single. That's just actually not true, <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> what are some of the other reasons Here's another interesting one. I'm looking at a, a bunch of research as to what are the reasons as to why people want to be single. And also, what are the reasons that people that are single are happiest? Another one is they want their work to be meaningful. Uh, fine, money's cool, advancement's cool, but they deeply pour themselves into work. I'm thinking of a friend that I have who's often doing... Um, Habitat for Humanity, Doctors Without Borders kind of work. And that also is the kind of thing that doesn't lend itself to be very much in a relationship uh, grounded anywhere because they're constantly traveling and they're in areas that don't necessarily have Wi-Fi or technology that's available to stay connected. And they love what they do and they think that their purpose here on this planet is to participate in taking their education and skill set to countries where that kind of lacks and it's needed. Um, I love that. I think Without Borders as well. I don't just buy American. I buy from wherever. As long as it's fair wages, I want everyone to get their needs met. You know, remember these arbitrary lines of local area or state or country, none of those are real. Um, and for someone like that, they're not necessarily wanting to drag someone into a relationship because they're not going to be that available or present. And a lot of people want more than that. And they're like, I'm good. My life gives me, you know, meaning and value. Maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. Um, what else do we have here? Ah, this is a good one. Burnout. Uh, where people have been in multiple relationships, they haven't gone well, and they're not interested in putting energy or focus into that right now. Okay, that's another good one. And then there's another one right here that I thought was interesting, where there's this idea that there's someone out there for everyone. I mean, okay, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that that's true. Who, who is it that's lining that up and promising that, right? Like, what, what higher consciousness, God? If you believe in God, do you think that God has that planned out? Okay, well, what if you never come in contact with that said person? What if they live on another country that you never visit and you never connect? What about that, right? So like, no, we're not all promised someone. And I really think it's about being willing to make things work. So I don't actually think it's about finding your one or the match. I think it's about being flexible. And if you're healthy enough to know that someone's not gonna be perfect and, and compatibility isn't about perfection, compatibility isn't about not having to work on things, then I think maybe you'll be good. But I work with a lot of people who have different styles of dating and it works against them. And some of them really do believe that if things aren't easy or smooth and seamless, that all's not well because they don't understand that relationships are a place for us to see where our work is. And instead they think it's about changing the other person, right? Uh, making the other person live in a way that makes sense for them. And it's like, no, no, see, it's backwards. What triggers you or upsets you about them shows you where your wounds are and where your work is. And your work is about letting them live their life. Because again, as always, I'm assuming we're talking about healthy people, healthy people worthy of trust. And if not, well, then it's a whole nother issue. But if that's the case, your triggers are for you to see where your work is. It's not about them removing or changing. It's about you saying, I need to work on that piece. I don't want that trigger to exist or remain. So this relationship shows me where, I, where my work is so I can be a better person and a better partner. You have to step into that challenge, but some people reject that challenge. 
and they blame it on incompatibility. Okay, well, good luck. Because in every relationship, there'll be that moment where you have to be challenged to be your better self. And it can't just always be about you trying to find someone who doesn't bring that up and out. Um, sure, I'm sure there's some relationships where it's a lot more seamless, uh, but you can miss out on some really beautiful, powerful things if that's what you think it has to 100% be about. All right, we got to take a little break. Uh, if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, whatever you're wondering about, drop it in there. We got you covered. And uh, if there's a topic you want covered, put that in there as well, or something you want me to clarify and drop deeper into. And as always, past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, blam, there it is. Uh, stick around. Um, we're going to be finishing up our talk on Singledom, and then, of course, we'll be closing out with some DMs. You're listening to Loveline, I'm brought to you by Channel Q and Astroglide. Stick around. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And uh, essentially, we're talking about singledom, uh, why some people stay single, why they're happy single. I want to just kind of close out the discussion of this looking at maybe some of the more uh, workable reasons, reasons that aren't necessarily rooted in your better self and some reasons that maybe you want to kind of push back on and investigate and unpack a little bit. Because I think it is important for us to always ask uh, with whatever's going on in our life, why did we choose that? What part of me is choosing that? Is that mental health centered? Like, is that good for my mental health? What's the impact? And what are the positives and negatives of that? What, you know, again, what part of myself is choosing that? Because don't assume that being in a relationship inherently is always healthy or marriage is always healthy or taking that job is always healthy or kids are always healthy or whatever it is. Like we want to investigate everything. So there are some people that, again, it's a self-esteem issue. They don't think they have something to offer right? And so they can't imagine someone desiring and wanting them. Other people for a multitude of reasons, maybe low esteem or some trauma or relational disappointments and frustrations, they've really built really thick, tall, high walls. And they really need someone to be so super assertive, almost aggressive. And that often is not what's going to happen. Um, I was watching a friend over the weekend who was on an app getting hit on by people and just was really writing everyone off. And, want, and just, I thought, what does someone need to do for you to let them in or for you to engage them or get their attention? Like, my God, sometimes we make it so difficult. And I often hear, I often hear some clients just really running off an ego list. They have a list of what this person needs to be or how they need to look or how they need to live in the world. And it's not rooted in anything that actually speaks to quality of relationship or mental health. It's ego. They have to make a certain money, amount of money. They have to be a certain height. They have to look a certain way. None of that speaks to what kind of relationship you'd have with them. None of that speaks to how happy you'd be with them. And none of that speaks to their character as a person or ability to be a good partner. And you limit yourself by having a thousand things on your ego list that aren't coming from the best in you and actually don't matter when you're laying on the couch with someone, traveling with someone, sitting at a table, having conversation or whatever it is you're doing in the world. None of that matters. But yet we get so hung up on these pieces and we think we have to have them and uh, it keeps us single or we want everyone to do more work than we're willing to do. People are busy, people are tired, people are burnt out, but you want them to just carry the conversation. you know. And I read some of these conversations where people keep themselves single when they don't wanna be right? They're not happy about it. And I'll say, let's look at the conversation. Let me get a better sense of how you're showing up. And everything's a, a, a period. Nothing's open-ended, nothing's engaging, no questions asked. And they just constantly let the ball hit the ground. They're not keeping it up or they're not following up. Or days later, they, they circle back and wonder why the person isn't taking them seriously. You know, you have to put the effort in. You have to be present. You have to be vulnerable. You have to try. You have to be willing to be assertive. I don't care what your gender is. Yeah, women, you have to be assertive. Yes, women, you have to go after people. Some guys are passive. Some guys aren't as aggressive or as assertive, right? Uh, gay world as well, lesbian world as well. It doesn't matter what your role is, what your gender is, masculine or feminine. We all have to be willing to present a certain way because people can only work so hard, right? People are trying to read us to see if we're interested, if we're available. And if you don't give a lot, there's not much for them to work with and we can keep ourselves stuck. So that's in there too. Ask yourself, how accessible am I? Ask yourself, how easy for, is it for someone to connect with me? Ask yourself, what, what have I put in? What actions have I taken? Have I challenged myself? Have I pushed myself? Or am I just sitting back, waiting for someone to just knock on my, knock on my door? Or waiting for someone to always hit on me and carry the conversation? Am I reaching out and mess messaging people? Am I hitting on people? Am I out in the world smiling and flirting? Am I approachable while I'm out in the world? Because some people don't want to do the apps. Are you available and approachable? Are you smiling at people? Are you talking to people? <clears throat> or not? Because if you're walking around with your head down, cranky with headphones on, how is someone supposed to hit on you? 
but yet you don't want to do the apps either. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool. But then you have to accept and own the outcome of the decisions you make. If we want relationship, we have to live in a way that allows that to come in. We have to do things that makes that possible. We can't expect everyone to do the heavy lifting, heavy lifting, excuse me, and to go above and beyond to be more assertive than we're willing to be. People are reading us. It's a feedback loop. And there's burnout as you are. And you don't know their story. Maybe they've had more letdowns, more disappointments, <clears throat> but they're out there trying. So put in more effort, be better. Ask yourself what this wish list is and where that comes from. And does any of that actually even really matter? Is any of that even real? Because it's wild to hear these arbitrary things. Like, I don't like what they're wearing. What does that have to do with anything? Oh, they're not tall enough. Tall enough for what? Literally for what? What does that even mean? They don't make enough. Make enough for what? <laughs> to live the way you want to live? Well, then you go make more. Why is it on them? It's just so fascinating when you unpack it. What part of yourself is speaking? How's this holding you back, right? How tall and thick are the walls they want people to bust through and climb over? Are you willing to do that? It's quite fascinating. That's where all of our work comes in because all of our relational stuff comes up and it's created in relationship, it's healed in relationship. But you have to be willing to stick around to give yourself the possibility of that happening, right? Um, so just ask yourself that. Like if you're single and you don't want to be, ask yourself, what do I need to do to change that? Because it's on you, right? And if you're single and you're happy, amen. Case closed. You're done. You know what I mean? Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about or a topic you want covered or something you want us to drop into deeper. And as always, we are channelq.com is where you can go to check out past episodes of Loveline. Uh, you're, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Stick around. We'll be back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Alrighty, we are back, and now it is time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, uh, I wanted to know what you thought about all the events that had been postponed now opening. I've been sad, I've been lonely, I've been depressed, lots of grieving. Am I being selfish by not going out and participating? And is there a grieving in something like this? Oh, I love this question. Thank you, Patricia. Um, Couple things. Number one, take care of yourself. Your mental health matters. If you're not ready to participate in anything out in the world, that's okay. And if people don't understand that, well, that's on them to figure out and work through. Call to action to everyone listening. If someone sets a boundary and says they're not comfortable or able to participate in something, the only answer should be, thank you for telling me, or maybe a follow-up of if there's anything I can do to make it more comfortable, doable, or easier for you, let me know. Otherwise, I respect your boundary. We don't push. We don't force. You don't know what's going on in someone else's life. Just because it's your big day doesn't mean that they're not having a big day or something else going on. Congratulations on your birthday or your wedding, but maybe I just lost, lost a loved one. Maybe I have another priority going on and my priorities are my priorities, right? I priority, prioritize the celebrations, events, and needs of uh, you know all the important people in my life, but sometimes they have to come in second to something that might need to be my first. And mental health is part of that at times. I'm not afraid of people misusing mental health things because don't you want someone to come because they want to? Do you want people that don't want to be there to be there? And if you do, that's your ego. That's your ego talking. Because if you care about someone, you would want them to be enjoying something, not just there to fill the room, right? And so if people are feeling too anxious, too depressed, or they're grieving something, or they don't have the energy, or they have other priorities, let's honor that. Yes, I want people to show up. I want us to be cooperative, think more of others and show up, but we also get to take care of ourselves. We can't be constantly people pleasing. We're allowed to say no. We're allowed to let people down. We're allowed to disappoint people. We're also allowed to go back on commitments. I know I told you I could pick you up at the airport. Unfortunately, something has come up that I can, that I need to attend to. Please reach out to someone else. Thank you. All the best. You know what I mean? I don't know. But um, yeah, you're allowed to be grieving anything. And it's interesting when celebrities or public figures die, some people will say, well, you don't even know them. Well, yes, we did. Often we have emotional and psychological relationships with people because we grew up with them, uh, reading about them, watching them. You know what I mean? That's a real relationship for us. We might, they might not know us, this other, but we might know them, right? We might feel close to them. I saw that actually first come out when Lady Di, Princess Di died. 
and then uh, subsequent people, you know, passing after, even events like September 11th or the horrific thing that's occurred down in Miami, all of those things we can grieve. Even if we didn't live there, don't know anyone there, we can grieve the death and loss of people. I want us to have enough empathy where anyone dying maybe triggers something, or maybe it really does bring us back to an event that happened to us or a fear that we've always carried, you know? So grieve that. Um, and take care of yourself around that. I, I'm not, uh, your, your question's a little vague for me, so I'm trying to kind of work it through and shape it and turn it into something. But, um, you know, that's a beautiful or, or detrimental part of mental health is it doesn't always have to be something that happened to us or something that's directly related to something that did. Sometimes it's more that it's an associative thing or it's rooted in a fear, anxiety that we've had or just deep levels of empathy for the suffering of others, which we definitely culturally need more of. So, um, yeah, be where you are. I never want people to shame their experience. Just be thoughtful about the expression of it, right? That's the only thing I really, really zero in on. I want people to feel all emotions and to feel them deeply and to be able to feel them publicly and to be able to talk about them and to be able to have them accommodated and honored and respected. But we need to be thoughtful about the way we express them. That's really all that kind of makes me um, worried about others. Uh, so anyway, that is our show. If you got some DMs for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, there they all are. Post them, share them, binge them. And uh, check out some of the other shows. Got some good stuff over there. Tomorrow's show, we'll be back. We're gonna be talking about parenting, so stick around and join us. But uh, you ever got a topic you want me to cover, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and producer Alex will get that over to me. We love hearing from you guys. Um, we really do try to track and pay attention to whatever you're asking. Uh, I'm not so good at getting to my DMs because I'm trying to be more present in my life and off my phone as much as possible. Not really digging around in those DMs, but um, yeah. And uh, check out my books, Rebel Love and uh, Sex Outside the Lines. They'll help you on your journey. But uh, please spend the rest of your night rooted in self-care, right? Some joy, some pleasure, even if it's a few moments, you know, give yourself that. And also as much rest as possible. Be kind to yourself, be kind to those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. See you tomorrow. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.